Welcome to a new episode of the Open Source System Podcast. Every two weeks, we talk about open source news and interesting open source projects. You can find us on iTunes, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and soon Google Play Podcasts. You can give us feedback and suggest open source projects in the issue tracker. Just go to our GitHub page, uh, github.com slash open source system podcast, and submit your issue in the issue tracker. I'm Vlad, and we also got Kyle here. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing great. Thanks again for having me. Excellent. So it's just the two of us because it's the uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, we decided to do the podcast anyway. All right. Everybody's uh, chowing down on turkey early here in the States, and um, for everybody else, I don't know what they're doing and why they're gone this week. Yeah, well, we'll find out soon, maybe next week. Uh, we've, <laughs> got, uh, we've got a few uh, projects to talk about. All right. Well, the first thing on the list that we have here is the uh, Sigma JS library. It's a JavaScript library dedicated to graph drawing. Um, and uh, you can find it at sigmajs.org. And it has a pretty spiffy uh, demo page, homepage. Uh, plenty of uh, plenty of examples. And uh, yeah, this project uh, has around 5,000 stars. And uh, Kyle, have you tried it yet? or? Yeah, I played around with it a bit. Um, graphing libraries are always fun and, and cool to play with. Um, this one is specifically geared towards drawing network type graphs, where there's uh, a bunch of nodes and a bunch of lines connecting them, making these you know nice fancy spider webs you can traverse and see uh, the entire system from an overview and then dive into a specific connected parts and see how things are related to each other. Um, so yeah, it looks like you just feed it an array of nodes, uh, you know, in like a JavaScript object, um, and uh, it, it does the rest and just builds it out. And um, it looks like it uses a, a few canvas elements to do the drawings, once for um, labels and whatnot, and one for the actual scene. Um, but yeah, so um, like, who who do you think would uh, would find this kind of thing useful? I mean, it seems kind of useful, of like you know, if you just want to show. Uh, your network, you know, if you're a network administrator and stuff, but I mean, like what other kinds of things would you, would you use this for? Yeah. So, well, as they say on the, on their site, uh, the main use case they give you is like, you want to display a network of things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to have, uh, you know, basic interaction in that network where you uh, hover on them, click on the nodes. Uh, maybe you can, uh, you can actually build a nifty uh, Docker container map or some like infrastructure map where uh, mm, it maps yeah, up yeah. all your infrastructure and you just click on uh, click on one of the nodes and gives you information about your about that specific machine or that specific service things like that mm -hmm. uh, you can also animate those graphs and uh, yeah there's like there's several use cases and they have like over a dozen examples I think in uh, in their repo uh, you can do yeah, animation, uh, hooking up uh, external APIs, uh, ex exporting the the node graphs as SVG, and uh, things like that. Cool. It's got uh, two hundred issues filed already, so there's really it's, it looks really active, and uh, it seems like a lot of people use this. They make it really easy for you to get started with it. Uh, it, it shows you uh, it shows you what kind of data what your data should look like, um, just a basic layout of the HTML page, and uh, gives you the result of the the graph right away. So if you're looking for something, we want to draw a graph with a bunch of nodes, uh, check out Sigma.js. And it's at version 1.0.3 right now. So it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty interesting project. Um, looks like it was started a year ago. And recently, it's been uh, it's getting more and more popular. Um, and what is the license on this project? 
Yeah, the last MIT. project was MIT, yep, in the package JSON and so on. So uh, yeah, check that out, sigma.js. So the next project we have is github.com slash neutral tone slash awesome stack resources. Um, so you remember when websites tried breaking right clicking to stop people from copying their images? I remember those days. Yep. So this is a great resource for people who like to right click. It's uh, basically a curated list of awesome stock photography, video illustrations, um, all kinds of assets um, that are mostly uh, Creative Commons uh, public domain licensed. Uh, so in other words, you can pretty much do whatever you want with these kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. Instead of paying uh, a ridiculous amount of money for like a short video, you want to put in the background of your site to just, uh, yeah, check out this awesome stock resources project. Um, it's been, it already has 21 contributors. People contribute more and more to, the, to this list. Um, yeah, they got icon, pa icon packages, uh, sort of, Colors, color schemes. Um, I think the most, the one I like is the uh, the videos where you can. Um, some of these sites uh, give you seven new videos a day, which is perfect. You know, I mean, um, you yeah, videos up. videos are definitely hard to find uh, in uh, public domain license. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, sound and music, uh, but uh, some HTML templates. But I think uh, the most ones are like yeah, video and uh, photography um, are the ones that. Uh, sort of a bit a bit difficult to find with this with the Google search uh, but in this case it's sort of a curated list uh, that uh, can save you a lot of time and money I guess <laughs> yeah totally well I, I remember a long time ago on the internet uh, there were very few free licensed stock photos and I basically found one guy who released a handful of uh, I mean I believe it's it's his own um, photography um, but he, he released a handful of nice stock photos for free. And it was at the time, like one of the, the very few that, uh, you know, were licensed free. I mean, you can steal them, but that's not very nice to do. Um, so back when I was making a bunch of uh, client websites, I, I had uh, like a, a, probably a handful of like 30 photos and I would just reuse these stock photos across the websites. And they must've been like really nice photos because none of the co clients complained about having the same photos as uh, all these all these other websites, but but uh, it, so this resource is really nice now. And I kind of wish I had something similar to this back then, uh, so I didn't have to use the same thirty photos on uh, website after website. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you know any uh, listening to this podcast, and you know any the uh, stock resources that you want to add to this list, just uh, if if you don't want to send a pull request, just uh, create an issue on that repo, and uh, somebody will pull request it and add it to this awesome list. So that was the awesome stock resources on GitHub, and uh, we'll have a direct link to it in our show notes. The next thing that we have is Night OS. What? OK, so this is an operating system for Z80 calculators. What oh, is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know those calculators you buy that cost over $100? I don't know at all. Like, I mean, I have a calculator on my phone. Uh, yes, but uh, so what, what? What? What does this do different? Does this like add numbers uh, faster? <laughs> so I think a common story with these calculators is, uh, I guess it's maybe for those who are taking computer science courses or just like math mm -hmm. courses, and they're either required or only allowed to have this particular calculator or something. 
and you use it for for a one course you spend hundred dollars and then you don't know what to do with it actually i do have <laughs> one of these calculators i think somewhere in my drawer and i'm like oh well i guess yeah it's uh, that's it wait, for it wait. so is it is this like similar to the uh, the texas instrument calculators those graphing calculators or is exactly this, is that it's that's it yeah yeah yeah, oh, the, wow, nice. Yeah, I, 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 okay, so I do know what that is. I, I had one, and I had a friend that would, like, program all these really cool things, and I always wondered how he did that, and I never could figure it out. Um, but I, I did manage to do some, um, some addition and multiplication on the calculator, and that's about it. Yeah, definitely. So once you're done using the calculator for, I guess, normal things, you can install this third-party third operating system. For these TI calculators, and uh, it gives you a Unix-like system. Uh, nice. uh, it's got its own kernel. It's got uh, sort of a nice launcher that will show you different apps. And uh, yeah, if you have um, like models from like TI seventy-three to TI eighty-four in, in those ranges, uh, yeah, you can flash that system. And they got a website which is uh, nightos.org. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's community, there's packages, uh, which is looking very good. A nice website to look for packages. Uh, I bet you can run some games and uh, write some quick programs for it, um, and just sort of unleash the power of the of the calculator and bring it back to life once you're done. <laughs> oh, I wish I would have kept mine now. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, the project itself. Uh, it's got 600 stars on GitHub, and uh, it's 61% assembly and 40% uh, make files. So if you like those two things or want to try get some uh, experience with writing those, uh, yeah, definitely it's a good project, uh, a weekend project or or longer. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you would have to compile the, the OS and uh, install the Knight OS SDK and go from there. Um, and uh, it's pretty well documented. Uh, if you have any issues, just uh, dig up an IRC channel and uh, there's also plenty of issues on GitHub, which are seem very well organized as well. So 100 issues on GitHub. So there's uh, plenty of activity going on. And maybe you'll have time to revive that calculator and give it a new OS. Now, it'd be really awesome if um, somebody open sourced a, an operating system for the Palm Pilot next. I do have one of those still lying around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember what those run. Like, what exactly is the sort of requirement there? They're, but, they they kind of look like the, those TI uh, calculators, uh, except just a bigger screen. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I also had yeah, also had one of those pump pilots, and uh, I think uh, last time I put it up was like three years ago or something. It was still working. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have no uh, idea like how it, how would even uh, charge that thing up. I, I I don't know. It's it's in a box somewhere, but that's about the only thing I, I know I have still. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess it's sort of uh, we have we have uh, all these new Arduino boards that uh, cost around like what eighty to hundred bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. Instead of buying those, uh, you can also just get some of your old hardware and see what uh, open source uh, libraries or operating systems are available to uh, to use on those devices. Maybe it's uh, you never know what you can find. Yeah. Okay, I changed my mind. Uh, don't bother with the Palm Pilot. Do a Game Boy. Oh, really? Somebody, somebody write an open source um, operating system for a Game Boy, and that would be that's cooler than a Palm Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we have we'll have Night OS in our show notes. 
Next up, we got Claire by Core OS. And this is a bit of a specialized thing, I guess, uh, if you deal with uh, deploying containers and managing containers in your infrastructure. Uh, Claire is a container vulnerability analysis service. Um, so it provides a list of vulnerabilities that threaten a certain container and can, can notify the, uh, the your ops team and uh, yeah, let you know how, uh, how your infrastructure is doing. Um, and I guess it's it, the, the Docker containers is the new thing and people mixing them and composing them together. So it's uh, important to keep the your infrastructure secure. Um, yeah, if you if you go to Claire's uh, sort of README, uh, you can see right away they have uh, sort of a lot of description why they built the project and uh, how it detects vulnerabilities. But uh, yeah, it's something somebody should sort of uh, look into even if you're not. Uh, doing uh, deployments, something just to be aware of, of how these things are done. It sort of uh, propagates across the, uh, the all your Docker container deploy. And uh, yeah, they got a simple example and uh, very a lot of things are documented and there are plenty of uh, new features uh, coming soon. Cool, yeah. I always like these services that um, they try to automate vulnerability uh, detection because, I mean, it, Managing just you know a single project is is and all the vulnerabilities for it is really tedious um, if you don't automate it, and I can imagine yeah if you have um, this whole uh, architecture set up and uh, you know manually managing uh, you know vulnerabilities across them would be really difficult. So it seems like uh, this is a really useful thing to automate that. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they they also presented a talk on. Uh... On this uh, Claire system at Container Days New York 2015. So if you, if you go to the README of the project and scroll all the way down, uh, you'll be able to find the slides in the video. And sort of if you're interested in this topic, uh, definitely something to check out. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, this is developed by CoreOS folks, uh, which means uh, it's probably a, a good uh, good pr uh, product and uh, will be a probably a popular. Um, project in the future. And it looks like it's uh, written in Go and it's uh, licensed with the Apache license. Up next, we've got VS Code by Microsoft, which is which stands for Visual Studio Code. I don't know why they didn't use the full name, but I guess it's uh, VS Code <laughs> sounds pretty cool. It does. Um, so yeah, this is yeah. a Visual Studio Code open source uh, built on top of uh, Electron, I believe. Am I am I correct yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah, GitHub's Electron. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the the Microsoft version of the Atom editor, um, except it's it's totally different, uh, just because it behaves more like an IDE as opposed to an editor. While they have the same engine that runs them to, and they have a lot of similarities, um, they've kind of like forked and went to two different. Uh, you know, most people are either hardcore IDE users and then other people are just, you know, text editor users. And and so I think this project's great just because, you know, you have Atom for if you just prefer kind of text editor uh, style editors. And then uh, this is a great uh, alternative if you prefer more IDE like um, editors. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in uh, the debugging features, especially I don't know if Microsoft spent some time and uh, edit some uh, you know, JavaScript debugging maybe, and uh, they. It seems like they their focus is project on, as I say here, in simplicity of the code editor, but also somebody who likes to edit, build, and debug mm -hmm. uh, right away in the same in the same editor. 
Yeah, so I have I have a coworker. Uh, shout out to Brady, um, who uses this as his full time editor. Um, and I mean, the reason is is because he primarily works with uh, TypeScript. Um, you know, the Microsoft uh, JavaScript uh, compiled or compiled to JavaScript language. This uh, this is a really great editor um, if you're working with TypeScript. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, it, it, I guess it focuses again on uh, building and debugging modern web apps and cloud apps. And I think I remember when it first came out, uh, it was not open source, I believe. I think you just could download it, but you couldn't uh, uh, couldn't hack on it or improve it. And right. I think I think that's why like, some people shut it down and never used it. But now it's open source, and uh, yeah, they they've got good documentation on how to contribute to it. And you mentioned it's TypeScript, so sixty-two percent TypeScript, thirty-four percent JavaScript, and the rest uh, uh, just minor minor things. Yeah, um, it looks like it's uh, licensed in MIT and has about a uh, little, you know, almost eight thousand stars on on GitHub. So um, it's really cool for Microsoft to uh, open source this. Just uh, another in the the latest things that uh, Microsoft's doing well. Um, so you know, it's it's a really cool editor. I, I've I've played around with it a bunch. I, I still use Atom as my full time editor, but this would probably be my my second choice, and, and especially if I was working in um, TypeScript full time or any kind of code, um, especially typed code that uh, really benefits from an IDE. Um, if I was working on that full time, um, I would definitely use this as my editor. So why do you think they uh, they actually built this at all? Uh, what's the motivation here to provide this like Visual Studio code where they already have Visual Studio, which is a crazy huge IDE, and there's a plenty of other text editors? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know exactly why. I've I've never talked to anybody on the team or anything, but I mean, I imagine it's the same reason why a lot of these apps are moving towards, um, you know, these uh, these Chromium shell uh, or you know these these basically these these web shell um, application desktop application kinds of things. It just makes it, it makes the code a lot easier to maintain. I mean, JavaScript is everywhere and. Um, just programming browsers is is everywhere and really well known. And so, I mean, if if you are um, if if you're developing websites, of course, you're just you're using these kinds of technologies. And I think the the desktop uh, um, developers are, are you know, or de desktop application studios are starting to to realize that you know we have this huge uh, wealth of of resources and 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 people that can work on our um, our desktop apps. And you know we no longer have to use these like little proprietary uh, things or you know these specialized uh, um, things to develop our applications. We can we can use these open technologies to to develop our um, our desktop applications and really benefit from the same momentum that the uh, the web has gotten. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's got as you mentioned like almost eight thousand stars. It's all uh, got thirty five contributors. Uh, I guess compared to Atom, uh, which is like the Atom shell. It's got 22,000 stars, 251 contributors. So I guess Microsoft still has a bit to go, but uh, it's a good start. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested in where this where this goes, where will we converge, and uh, in terms of these editors, and where will they get abandoned? Will they get merged uh, together? And maybe some tools from like supporting TypeScript and so on will go into Atom. A lot of pieces can be um, broken out into, um, you know, like Atom has this entire package management um, system built into it. Um, so you, you can freely just add pieces as you go and, and, you know, you don't need anybody's permission. You don't need 
uh, you don't need any anything besides your own ability to write code in order to customize your editor. And so um, Visual Studio opening up their source code, um, a lot of that can happen um, there as well. And I'm, I'm certain there's a lot of crossover that can happen between the two. Um, I mean, at least at, at the point of both of them at the end of the day are, are compiling down to JavaScript. And so they can both run each other's code. Um, maybe not so much with the, the plugins and, and the frameworks that each of them have set up um, to construct their editors, but you know, a lot of the code can be reused. At least they're using the same programming language. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And if you look at the source for uh, VS Code, um, you can. Uh, there's an extension directory, and you can find uh, all the sort of all the languages it supports. If you're a C sharp, F sharp programmer, uh, Go or Groovy, it's all in there. And you can uh, sort of try it out for your with your favorite language, and maybe you know, pull request an enhancement uh, to uh, to support your particular use case or your particular language. Um, I don't see a Rust. Oh, there's a Rust extension. Never mind. Okay, so they got everything. <laughs> <laughs> I got excited for a second. Like, oh, cool! I'll pull request Rust, and it's already there. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. Visual Studio Code, and if you cannot find it through Google, it will be in our show notes. What's our next thing? So, Vlad, do you like science? A bit, sometimes. Well, good science. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter uh, if you if you like good science or bad science. Uh, you can use Plotly to chart uh, scientifically how much you like science or how much the science is bad or good. Uh, it's really up to you. So Plotly is a JavaScript library for interactive charts. Whoa. Um, previously, the core graphics layer of Plotly was closed source, but now everything is open sourced and MIT licensed. Nice. Yeah, this looks excellent. They recently, uh, November 17th, they did an open source announcement. Did they pretty much open source everything? Yeah, it seems like they, they had certain parts of it that were... Uh, that were closed source and certain parts that were open source. And then they just said, you know, we're going to open source the whole bit. So it seems like everything's out. Yeah. Yeah. If, even if you, if you just, uh, I guess find the Plotly announcement, they got the demo right in there, uh, of Plotly and it's got amazing tools, zooming in, uh, taking plot uh, screenshots and, uh, auto scaling. It's all look, it looks amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're in the science uh, field and you're looking for charting um, and graphs that are specifically geared towards uh, your field, uh, this seems perfect for it. Um, uh, behind the scenes, it, it looks like it uses D3, so it can render in uh, SVG or WebGL. But I think the coolest part about this library is that it uses StackGL and Indie Array. Um, which you know may not be as well known, but those projects uh, um, they have a lot of weight with me just because I've been um, involved in them and um, I have a lot of respect for the people who created those libraries and and w were involved with them. And so um, sure enough, I looked at the contributors to Plotly, and uh, sure enough, Mikola Lysenko uh, has 120 commits on there. Oh, um, yeah. So he's he's done a huge amount for the science community uh specifically on npm um and for javascript um basically if, if there's a library on npm that is science-based uh then he probably wrote it so one of the ones is indie array uh which is just a fantastic project in itself 
and uh, StackGL, which is not necessarily a framework, but it's it's more of like a collection of libraries uh, to um, to produce WebGL graphics. You you just take uh, all all these libraries all work independently of each other, and you know they're all super module modular, and uh, you just glue them together to you know you know you want to make a bunny or you want to make a voxel uh, JS world, you want to make your own Minecraft, or you just want to print a really cool scientific graph to show the uh, migration patterns of birds or something, you know? It looks like he's heavily involved in this project, which uh, instantly to me just means this project's gonna be cool. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, if you just go to plot.ly, uh, just head to the, uh, the explore section or the examples section, and it looks pretty pretty good. Uh, there's like basic examples where it gives you like a basic plot chart, but it gets uh, crazy really quickly. Uh, sophisticated chart types, uh, they call them. Yeah, sophisticated chart types, uh, I guess it maps uh, heat and stuff like that, heat maps. Um, fully customizable in terms of like events hovering and getting the values in that case. Um, Scatter plots, line charts, bar charts, pie charts, and uh, bubble charts, all sorts of things animated. And uh, I'm excited to see their, uh, what exactly they use the uh, WebGL part. I guess there's like 3D charts as well, mm -hmm. um, 3D scatter plots, and things like that, which look uh, pretty crazy. Um, um, it runs in all SVG compatible browsers. Uh, and I guess you need WebGL in terms of uh, making sure the 3D graph uh, looks uh, works OK. You can do, uh, if you ever wanted to create a 3D surface plot, uh, which uh, can be tricky, uh, this works pretty well. It gives you a nice legend, and uh, it always uh, seems to be the controls would work really well as well. Uh, they do have like a, they, they do have a pricing for, I guess you you would self-host those, some of the plots. Yeah, it seems that if, if you don't have, uh, you know, you don't want to deal with all the, um, the generation of the assets and everything else uh, yourself, you can just um, use their servers and just feed it the data and uh, to host the plots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So that's Plotly, and we'll have a link to their uh, open source announcement uh, with all the examples that they have straight in the blog post, and you can check that out. To continue our sort of graphics, uh, all the yeah, graphics. This is a very uh, graphic <laughs> theme. Episode, yeah, last episode huh? was uh, machine learning themed, uh, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, this guy, this case, we have graphics. Uh, we started with the basic uh, uh, graph uh, library. Uh, yeah, network graphs. Yeah. yeah, network graphs, yeah. and then we did Plotly, which is a uh, crazy cool. Uh, next up, we have another amazing uh, project, which which is called MoJS by Lego Mushroom uh, <laughs> on GitHub. Wait, what? Yes, Lego Mushroom. Yep. That's him. Is that a person or a company? That is a person, and uh, that's, that's a cool name. Awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to follow uh, him or her right now. Yeah, it, that's his not not his real name, but his uh, his GitHub name, which uh, uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so he created a MoJS, which is MoJS.io. Um, and the goal behind this project uh, is the. Uh, good animation for the web, meaning uh, silky smooth animations and uh, sort of a good user experience or sort of going going beyond uh, the basic GIFs and so on. Um, yeah, this this looks like, you know, if you're if you're creating some really high level animations, I mean, this isn't we're not talking about sliding out your navigation bar. Um, 
here. This this is like you know you you designed uh, some vector art of your character, and you want uh, your character to do a little dance and flip around, and then you know spout your message, uh, or or do all kinds of um, some fun animation. I mean, all, we're we're like borderline talking flash animation here, you know. Um, this is really like for like high end um, tweening. You you basically create these points and you it creates a line between them that you can either arc or make jagged. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyways, oh, yeah. the animation will follow that curve so you can make it like bounce or like hit off the wall or do all kinds of kinds of things. Um, so it's it's a great high level uh, animation library. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you just go to uh, Mojs and there's a website that has an amazing demo once you scroll down a bit that will uh, play you the animation. It has these controls for sound and replaying. But uh, if you actually go to the repo, uh, there's also demos in the, a few demos in the readme and those look really, really good. Uh, they're hosted on CodePen.io and uh, for instance, there's like a bubble layout, which is really smooth, uh, sort of based upon the uh, based on the uh, Apple watch uh, layout that they have for their apps um, so yeah definitely if you if you do, even if you don't want to use this library check out these animations because they look amazing the uh, the sound is all synced up and uh, yeah it works works really well yeah the only thing that didn't work for me was mm -hmm. their navigation bar uh, funny enough uh, I, I don't know if it works for you or not but uh, um you know, it's this fancy animation that that the navigation bar pops out and, and does all this cool stuff, but none of the links work. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I was trying to look through more through their tutorials, but uh, nothing would wouldn't click. So maybe oh, I'll have to send a pull request or something. Oh yeah, it it seems to be fine for me. Oh yeah, it works fine. Yeah, uh, just me. Maybe I'm just old and you know don't know how to use it. It's too fancy for me. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. I think the nav is yeah, the nav on the left is bottom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Something to uh, to let them know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if they open source the whole library and uh, spend all the time open source the library, I'm sure the site should be somewhere here on uh, GitHub as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's got about almost 4,000 stars on GitHub, and it appears to be MIT licensed. Yeah, it's been around only for a month, and uh, really, only a month. Yeah, it looks like all the, everything's pretty pretty recent here. And See, that's and, that's how cool these animations are. Uh, if to get nearly 4,000 stars in, in about a month on GitHub. Uh, so you should use this library if you want to do the same. Yeah, if you just want this in cool intro animation and you're like, should I use jQuery animate to animate a few boxes and images? Uh, sort of think again and uh, check out Mo.js uh, to, uh, you know, before you uh, spend time animating with jQuery and uh, just use this. Yeah, it's worth noting too that uh, this, I believe, uses SVGs uh, um, for all the animations and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if there's a WebGL render, but my uh, my guess is there's not. Um, it seems to be all SVG based, which is cool. I mean, SVGs are awesome. So, yeah, definitely. Maybe something something for the issues to uh, say. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it is possible to render into WebGL, and they will look even better. Yep. Cool. So that's Mojs, and we'll have the link to it in our show notes. Next project is Ad Nauseum by D. Howie, uh, and uh, this is a sort of project that I, I always wanted to build, but of course I didn't have to because somebody already did, uh, and that seems like they started seven months ago, which is which is good. 
So it's actually uh, it's a Firefox extension to defend against uh, tracking by ad networks, and so it's different from um, from others or ad block and things like that. Is uh, this thing is uh, it's evil? It, it's, it's <laughs> evil, yeah. But it basically <laughs> simulates your behavior, sort of creates this fake behavior and sends these fake queries. Uh, it, it, it trolls ad networks. Yeah, you would, you would search for like for bikes and like TVs or like random food items or something, <laughs> which basically really confuses the ad networks. Um, and it's like can't they? Which I mean, you, they will not be able to target you with anything because it seems like you're interested in everything. Uh, which is it's a really cool project. There's a there's a white paper on it. So what do you call it? Yeah, a white paper? I'd be really curious on how it works. Um, I, I like how they call it artware. Um, you know, instead of software, uh, it seems really neat. I'm really curious on um, to dive into specifically how it works and how how it trolls um, ad networks. And what's interesting too, it being an open source project, I mean, I wonder if the, there would be some, uh, you know, some retaliation from these. I mean, these ad networks are they're not dumb, you know. Um, if there would be some kind of thing to, um, you know, they can compensate for for tools such as this. Or, you know, and, and what, what would happen, you know, how would you stay up to date on, on trolling the ad network? Um, so it just sounds, it sounds fun. It sounds like a really cool project uh, to be a part of. Yeah, so it's currently only available for the Firefox web browser. Uh, there's a you can there's a website that they an issue that they try they try to bring into Chrome, but I guess they just didn't have time. Um, it's licensed as GPL v3, and uh, besides uh, sort of the website and the GitHub repo, I think there's several articles, and I mentioned a white paper about this, uh, which sort of gives you a sort of different approach, this unique idea where uh, um, all this fake behavior will is maybe the key to uh, to avoid ad targeting and uh, just a really interesting project. And it's got 400 stars on GitHub. And uh, yeah, check it out. If you use Firefox, uh, definitely there's like seven contributors and plenty of issues in the project. Uh, so uh, yeah, and it looks like it's uh, GPL licensed. So next up, WordPress is moving to Node.js. What? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> there was there's a lot of uh, excitement on the internet uh, about WordPress moving. You know, which is, it, it's you know besides Facebook, I would say, or maybe it's even better than you know Facebook. But like it's it's PHP's you know, I don't know the word ship. It's it's their, it's their main 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 thing. You know, WordPress is written in PHP, and so WordPress has a huge impact on the internet. Um, and so they they announced that they're moving to Node.js. Uh, and so Calypso is really, it's just, it's just the client side and parts of their server side. A lot of it still is PHP. Um, but they do say that they plan to move away from PHP. So maybe, maybe that means they're planning on doing the entire thing, um, in Node.js. So, uh, but wh whatever they decide to do, it's, it certainly makes a, a really interesting future for WordPress. Yeah, definitely. So in the meantime, uh, they just open source. Besides, uh, like I said, a really long blog post, they also open source this thing called WP Calypso, uh, which is mentioned uh, is the uh, the interface, this interface that drives WordPress.com. So not the blogging engine, but the, uh, the side behind uh, sort of a more of a paid thing. And uh, it's kind of interesting uh, to see this. It, it What it does, it talks to an API powered by WordPress. And... Uh, 
Looking at the project in the GitHub repo, uh, it seems like this this WordPress interface is also uh, available as application, Electron application. So I think this might might have been the uh, why they moved to Node, and uh, they wanted to have a probably make a WordPress app. And they're like, how can we do it? Let's just uh, make a make it using Electron. And uh, yeah, it's it's available as a site and as an app. And it's probably why they also use uh, React and um, and Flux for their front end um, JavaScript as well. Um, I also heard too that they were developing their own um, kind of front end framework uh, built around React uh, for this. So it seems very similar to um, to what the Atom editor um, has done as well. Yeah, definitely. If if you use React and you're looking for sort of high quality components, from what I've heard, is uh, this is one of the this project is something you should look at if you just want to you know, compare or maybe borrow some of the components. Uh, they've got like accordion button groups, uh, forms, you know, dealing with gravatars, all this all sorts of stuff, and there's like a huge list, and maybe over fifty React components um, that sort of deal with this, uh, which is they even made the tiny MCE uh, oh, wow. editor into a React component, which is um, nice. Uh, yeah, it's something if if you're hacking with React, it's just something to sit down for the weekend, I guess, and uh, see if you can extract all those components into their own library or something, which is going to be really interesting. Cool. Yeah, I mean, we really, we all saw this coming, though. Um, I mean, like a couple of years ago, they announced that they're moving all their build tools to Grunt. And everybody knows that Grunt is the gateway drug to Node.js, and so um, you know it just seems like another, another, uh, another story of somebody starting out. Uh, just hey, look at this cool tool, Grunt, and um, and it just you know oh now look at this cool thing, uh, this cool project Node.js. Let's let's just use everything with uh, with this instead. So definitely, yeah. <laughs> But it's been yeah, a long so time since I've used WordPress, so I, I might uh, I might have a WordPress site once again uh, pretty soon. So, a bit of a bit of trivia: the the site, the Open Source System Podcast site, is using WordPress. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> in case you nice. didn't know, I, I think it I didn't know that. <laughs> well, it says so in the footer, but I guess you didn't ever ever scroll. I down. I yeah, I, uh, I don't I don't scroll. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, we've got uh, two more projects uh, that we we have we still have yet to talk about. Uh, one of them is SourceGraph, uh, which is a thing that's been around for a while, uh, but uh, they recently open sourced their system uh, to uh, to self-host uh, the SourceGraph um, system. Now, SourceGraph is a sort of a, a code explorer or a, that hosts uh, that lets you search your code base that uh, you can keep up with all the changes it's uh analyzes your code and uh, gives you code intelligence you can quickly jump from item to item read doc like links the documentation to it and so on um so the, the project itself you can find on sourcegraph.com but uh, we'll also have a link uh, to their open source things which is um uh, we, their all their open source st uh, stuff is hosted on src.sourcegraph.com which uh um, they recently open sourced the whole system that actually does code intelligence and code viewing and so on. If you, with a link from our show notes, you'll be able to find uh, some of the examples of the, how the system works. Uh, you can set up set it up uh, on your own server within five minutes, and uh, it will give you code intelligence, uh, meaning 
you can understand code more quickly and jump from definition to definition. Uh, currently, the support only Go and Java, uh, but uh, I think they're working on JavaScript support, hopefully, in some cases where you can try to predict uh, <laughs> what code relates to what. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, to to me, it looked like uh, it's like it looks sort of like GitHub where you're, you know, exploring the code, except when you mouse over on a variable, it gives you all the information about that variable, like the documentation, the type and and all kinds of information about it. I mean, so for those who don't understand what code intelligence means, it just means, you know, lots of cool, uh, lots of cool things and information about your code as you um, as your mouse moves about it, exploring the code on the site. Yeah, definitely. So besides that, it also uh, gives you these live usage examples, uh, which is re always really cool uh, to sort of get right into the examples and start hacking on something. Uh, they're also working on uh, better re code reviews. Uh, it gives you a tool to uh, better review the change set in the code. And uh, linking code uh, between the issue tracker and the actual source source code and I think my favorite, uh, the thing I've used uh, with it right away was the smart search, uh, meaning like you, find, you can find things a lot faster by function names, full text. Um, after using the GitHub search feature, I was uh, sort of really, <laughs> really happy with this thing. And I'm, I'm kind of excited um, waiting. I'm sort of waiting until they support more languages, uh, maybe like at least you know, Rust, JavaScript, or something mm -hmm. else. Um, and this is something you can just download and install on your own servers uh, for your own code bases too, right? Yeah, yeah, it seems like they optimize in this particular particular open source release. They uh, um, they're like, okay, they're they're promising that you'll be able to install this in five five minutes on any environment, EC2, DigitalOcean, Google Cloud Platform, and just point it to a repo. And uh, uh, yeah, nice. Under the hood, I guess it's built in Go. Uh, there's a thing called uh, SourceLib. I think this is uh, the this multi-language hackable source code analysis tool that they built. And I think at first they didn't want to open source it, but now uh, they changed their mind and uh, they built the whole UI in React. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can find a public instance of the of this tool on sourcecraft.com. And I think there's a demo in there. Um, I think it works with public repos. And uh, if you have a private repo that you're that you're using, uh, this is something you can uh, hook up. Cool. So that's uh, Sourcegraph, and it's a it could be tricky to find uh, the source code. So just check out our show notes uh, to actually to get to the source for the project. Next up, we've got this interesting uh, project called Perfect. A cool name. Uh, I think they also bought a cool domain name, which is Perfect.org. So they're actually <laughs> a good start, and uh, is uh, developed by Perfectly Soft. <laughs> Which is uh yeah they're really good with names uh but uh this is a <laughs> server side swift um what they're going for here is the swift uh as a as an application servers and uh swift on the front end in terms of uh apps for os 10 and ios so it's i guess if you really like swift and you're just targeting uh you want to keep the code base the same and you want to develop you know everything in swift and you also all, only work with a iOS and OS 10. This is this could be something for you. Um, what yeah, are your I mean, thoughts on this project? Is this well, I mean, the it, next it node? Yes. No. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> I mean, you know, Swift is is really awesome and really cool, but I mean, definitely not. But no, I mean, this. I mean, this seems like if you're if you're uh, a big fan of Apple and um, specifically everything that Apple does, um, then this seems right up your alley to just. You know, let's just write everything in Swift. Let's just write. Uh, let's just do everything. Um, you know, Apple, the Apple way. 
Um, but what's interesting, so like I saw that they said, uh, you know, they're they're waiting for um, Apple to open source Swift, um, and it says it will be open sourced in 2015, and that year is almost over. Has Apple open sourced uh, Swift yet? I'm not sure. I thought. Uh... I, I don't. I don't know if they have. I. I, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember any announcement. I now remember the announcement uh, when um, Swift was, you know, announced as a language, but I don't remember them open sourcing it. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious of what uh, what that has um, as far as impact on this project. Um, you know, whether or not this project actually needs, uh, or you know, or somehow requires uh, Swift to be open sourced to um, to function in the long run. Um, I definitely uh, do prefer. I mean, I would say if you're gonna if you if you you asked me to compare this to Node.js, of course, I I definitely do like the the governance model now, uh, especially now of Node.js, a, a little bit better than um, than Apple, kind of controlling everything. So I won't be sw you know s switching over my uh, <laughs> my servers from Node.js to uh, perf or you know to Perfect anytime soon. But <laughs> it's certainly an interesting project if if you really like Apple everything. Yeah, and it, yeah, if you're, if you're really happy with Swift, uh, what they, I guess, this perfect, uh, perfectly soft uh, build for you was uh, first to build a perfect lib, uh, which is perfect library for like framework components uh, that the uh, sort of utilities for the client and the server. Uh, they build a server which is uh, a fast CGI, HTTP, and uh, basically HTTP app uh, that they created. Uh, they also have like several connectors for databases and for Apache. So there's MySQL, Postgres, MongoDB, and um, sort of fast CGI connectivity to Apache, which is also good because I guess you won't have to, if you use MySQL or Postgres, you can just uh, use the built-in functionality. And they also provide several examples, uh, a game, a website, and an iOS app uh, built uh, with, I guess, uh, Swift on the front end, obviously, for the app, and uh, some of the explanation how this, uh, the perfect server works uh, locally on the machine and so on. This could be the perfect project for you. It could it, be, yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just grumpy about it because I, 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 you know, the name is 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 too perfect. You know, sounds too perfect. Sounds too good. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I guess they're looking for stars or donations. If you have no money to give, <laughs> give a click and uh, yeah, just uh, watch it on GitHub, and uh, we'll see how that turns out. I'm excited to see uh, what uh, what applications, what real applications are built with this. Um, and to see what how this goes. Yeah, definitely. I, I should really jump into to Swift more. I mean, I've I've I'd say dabbled in Objective C and um I've always you know I've language I I thought I've I've always had a, like a, a pretty good time um with it. So um I should uh I should really uh just keep my mouth shut and uh try Swift out before I, I judge it. This is it. This is all the projects we have for this episode. We talked about a bunch of graphics-related libraries in JS. So we also had this crazy Swift uh, perfect uh, server, uh, TypeScript, uh, Visual Studio Code Editor that's available on all platforms and things like that. Uh, now, Kyle, where can uh, people find you to ask open source questions? You can follow me and ask me questions at twitter.com, Vladikoff. That's V-L-A-D-I-K-O-F-F. Uh, ask me anything you like. Right. So this will probably forward you to my Twitter page. And uh, yeah, you can send me a question for Kyle, and I will forward it to him. Uh, wait, guess... wait, wait. Do you have the same Twitter handle as me? 
Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> like know. Yeah, it is that does sound like a bug. Okay, well, Kyle's handle, real handle, will be in the show notes. So no matter what how much he tries to uh, trick you, you will find his real name. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me at vf.io. Uh, that's my website. It has my Twitter handle and my GitHub and all sorts of other links. Uh, you can also ask us a question, submit a project, or uh, um, pretty much create an issue on the uh, our GitHub page, which is github.com slash open source system podcast. And uh, that's it for this episode. And we will catch you in two weeks. <laughs>